Welcome to UFC 263 Preview with Randall Cunningham, Andrew Howard, and special guest setting at the campfire, Rob Musgrove. Welcome for joining us tonight, Rob. Hey, it's good to be here, guys. I'm glad to have you here. We were trying to get his video on everybody earlier, but evidently a campfire is not enough light to get your video on. So <laughs> he'll be joining us on audio only portion. But Andrew and I, as you can see, you can see our lovely face. So <laughs> we want to start by, let's start with a recap of UFC 262, Andrew. And okay. Let's, sure. let's, let's start with the first fight. Um, friend of the show, Benny Darius fighting friend of the show, Tony Ferguson. And it was really ugly, in my opinion. Um, yeah. He'll hook him in. Next thing you know. So we'll start with Andrew. Go to Rob next. Andrew? Yeah, yeah. Darius just, you know, implemented his game plan and did whatever he wanted to do pretty much that whole fight. Just a lot of top pressure. Uh, you know, just takedowns at will pretty much. That hill hook was was disgusting. I mean, anybody else but Tony probably would have tapped to that. It probably should have tapped to that because you could see his, you know, his, his ankle popping a little bit. But he caught him in that hill hook. I believe that was in the second round. But uh, just just outclassed him, man. It was it was a great effort by Darius, and he's moving on up in the lightweight picture after that for sure. Uh, he, he looked great. I mean, his, his jiu-jitsu, his wrestling, uh, he, he could pretty much do what he wanted to in that fight. Uh, I'm not sure where Tony goes from here, you know, dropping three in a row. So we'll, we'll see. But, I mean, he's a big name. So, so some, somebody will want to fight with him, I'm sure. Rob, did you get to see that fight? Uh, no, actually, I did not. I, I didn't catch very much of it, to tell you the truth. Um. I mean, it, it definitely, from what I read, you know, was pretty one-sided and whatnot. Um, you know, just really not, you know. I don't do a lot of UFC, to tell you the truth. All right. Well, hang with us and you'll learn a little bit tonight. Then. <laughs> I'm hoping to. All right. So, uh, then in the next about, uh, Andrew, we had a, the lightweight elimination title. I was the title fight. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah the final it. final title fight. Yeah, that was it. Uh, and first off, uh, we were still surprised that Oliveira was there. I mean, really, we thought he was going to be the odd man out all the way through this. And then suddenly he's the one in the title fight. Yeah. And man. the first round was great. After yeah. that, tell us what happened. Yeah, yeah. The first round was back and forth. So, like you said, Oliveira. I mean, he, he deserved to be here for sure. Whether he was going to be was kind of a question because, you know, uh, with everything going on with Poirier and McGregor and you were kind of wondering if uh, Oliveira is going to be the odd man out because he wasn't exactly the, the fan favorite or the big name to be there. Though if you follow UFC a lot, uh, you, you've, you've known him for years. He, he's been in the game for quite a while, you know, and uh, he's had his losses and stuff, but he's gone on such a tear and – to be a jujitsu guy, a lot of people question his knockout power, though he has had a few knockouts. Um, he really put that to rest that night and his toughness. He's got a heck of a chin. First round was a lot of fireworks with him and Chandler just going back and forth. At one point, Chandler had him on the ropes, had him down, was throwing some good shots. Oliveira was able to recompose, get out of there. And then the second round just landed one heck of a KO punch uh, and, and took him out. You know, a lot of people thought that if Oliveira win, it'd be a submission, but uh, he's got some power in those hands and he's special. And if, if Poirier can beat McGregor next month, that that's gotta be your, your fight of the year. I think that that would be a heck of a matchup. Jiu-jitsu wise, striking wise, they match up really, really well. And uh, Oliveira deserved it. I'm glad, I'm glad he got his moment. And uh, props to Chandler, too, man. He came that close to winning that night. You know, nothing wrong with uh, what he put out there. Like I said, he had him on the ropes in the first round. I thought they were going to stop it for a second, but Oliveira got out of there and, and proved he's he's very well-rounded. You know, his jiu-jitsu's top-notch, but he was able to, you know, throw some blows with one of the best strikers in the lightweight division, Chandler, a veteran that's been there forever. And Chandler's also props to him because – he showed that he belongs, you know, a lot of people question him getting a title shot that quickly. That that's his second UFC fight, not his second 
MMA fight. Obviously, if you followed him in Bellator, he was a three-time champ. I thought he deserved to be there, and he did prove uh, that he, that he can run with the big dogs, and and he'll be back. He's he's definitely a, a top five guy for sure. So, Rob, as a layman to the sport, were you interested in that fight, or were is it the general public more interested in the Conor McGregor trilogy? Because I think the hardcore guys in the sport knows about Oliveira, but the lay fans know more about Conor McGregor. What about what about that? Uh, see, I mean, McGregor's one of them guys that you hear a lot of, but, I mean, personally, from a guy that's – I mean, I watch some UFC and whatnot, but being on the, the, the outside of it, it, he's just never really impressed me. I mean, you know, I mean, he, he he's a good fighter, but it, it's just – a lot of it just seems to be a lot of show. I mean, I'm a huge, you know, wrestling fan. You know that. Um, but it, it's just – it just seems like it's a lot of the bells and whistles, you know what I mean? But, like, with this Oliveira fight, I mean, just even looking, you know, from the everything you read on it and everything, you could tell it was, for the most part, looked like it was a one fight and whatnot. I mean, I've heard, I've heard of him. I've watched a little bit of him. But, I mean, I've never really been a big guy into, like, the whole McGregor thing. It seems like it's a lot more for show than anything else anymore. Well, Andrew, I think there would be a little bit of uh, pro wrestling in Conor McGregor's game. He is definitely that classic old school villain, don't you think? Oh, oh yeah, he loves getting inside people's heads. I mean, that's it worked to a T with the Jose Aldo fight when he knocked him out in nine seconds because those months building up to that fight, he was getting in his head. He stole his belt at the press conference. You know, that some very kind of cheesy – WWE kind of stuff, but but it worked. He got in his head. Jose hadn't lost the fight in you know close to a decade, and he charges in there and, and isn't cautious. And Connor's got that left and, and you know dropped him. So that that did work. I do agree that I, I want to. We're going to find out a lot about Connor as far as his love for MMA next month. Uh, that's a huge fight with Poirier. If he loses, I don't know if he sticks around. I mean, he's got enough money where he's set now. He's been the champ. You know, he's been a lightweight champ. He's been the featherweight champ. He made so much money off the Mayweather fight and the proper 12 whiskey deal, which he sold that off and made a ton of money. I don't know if his heart's still in it because, you know, he's he's made a living. He's got enough for his kid to be set. And, and so his forth. kids, kids, and his yeah, kids, kids, kids. If they're, if they're smart, he did roll up to a, uh, the, the last fight in a yacht <laughs> when they were in Abu I, I don't know, man. We'll, we'll see uh, if he's smart with his money, but um, we'll see if his heart's really in it, if he really wants to, you know, get back in it. But if, if Poirier beats him, he, he's going to have a tough road. I mean, he can always sell tickets because he's a big name, but whether he will contend for a title or not, that this next fight's huge. I think his career's kind of at stake, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, I would perceive that, too. So we wrap up 262. We have a lightweight champion. Uh, Khabib's no longer in the picture. Oliveira's the champion. Yes. The one statement I will go back, and, and I, I and I'll Rob, I'm going to ask you a similar question. Uh, Oliveira in the post game or in the post fight press conference was clearly wanting somebody to come to Brazil and find him. So, do you think somebody jumps line? to be able to go to Brazil and fight Charles Oliveira in Brazil? Uh, I mean, with the showing he had the other night, I don't know if anybody would want to, to tell you the truth. How about you, Andrew? Yeah, well, if, if Poirier wins uh, against Connor, then he is clear-cut number one. There's nobody above Poirier at that point. And if they did it in Brazil, that'd sell a ton of tickets, man. That'd be awesome. That, that'd be fight of the year, so... You know, and, and Poirier's uh, looking, looking to make money at this point in his career, which you can't blame him. Like, he could have gotten the title shot. That was his. It could have been him and Oliveira instead of Chandler, but he openly said he wanted the trilogy with McGregor, and that's the money fight. The, the July 10th fight, which is coming up, that's normally around July 4th. That's typically the biggest card of the year. They do the International Fight Week in Vegas, and that's what gets all the attention. So uh, that's, it's a lot of money. You know, and you can't blame him. He's a family man. He's trying to make some make some money. So uh, he finishes this trilogy. Uh, 
if he wins, I mean, it's, he's definitely getting the title shot. I don't see anybody else that would probably – Do you think he would be equally as satisfied to go on the road to Brazil and get that title shot? Or um, It depends on where they would do it. If, uh, if they could do it in a big arena, sell a lot of tickets and stuff. Obviously, uh, COVID might – play into that a little bit because Brazil's not doing as well as we are. Um, so if, if they could get that, you know, arranged, of course that if they got that done, it would be later this year. So who knows, man, there's, you know, a lot of stuff that plays into it, but I could see it happen. I remember, remember Chell Sonnen went down to Brazil to fight, uh, you know, well, he, he offered to go down to Brazil to fight Anderson Silva. It didn't actually happen, but of course, Chell Sonnen's one of those WWE kind of personalities too. So he probably would, would love that. <laughs> He's a but, little bit crazy. Didn't he fight yeah. Wonderboy Silva in Brazil? Or was uh, they fought they fought in Bellator. They, it wasn't in Brazil though, I don't believe. Well they did right. they were doing the ultimate fighter and they got in a big brawl. Yeah. 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 And then and then that's when Juan tested positive for steroids and he was never back in the UFC after that. <laughs> Rob, does it make it harder for an average fan to watch a pay-per-view when it's in another time zone? Like, do you, as a, as a dad and a fan of even uh, of football games, if do, do you find it odd that sometimes you get a game kicking off at 11.30 at night or a fight that's kicked, that starts at midnight on a Saturday night? I mean, it, it, it just depends sometimes, you know, I mean, especially being, you know, parent and all that, it depends, you know, what you got going on all day and everything like that. You, you could end up being, you know, 1130 at night. There's nights I'm in bed for a couple hours, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's hard to commit to. And then sometimes, I mean, even when I was younger, like in college and whatnot as a boxing fan, you pay all this money for a fight, and next thing you know, 30, 45 seconds in, you're out $50. That fight's already over. Well, yeah. And I, yeah, and I will give UFC credit for one thing. Seems like the boxing cards were always top heavy. But just like in this uh, event, Andrew, at 263, there is three fights that are made in quality to me. Yeah. Uh, now, Diaz Edwards gets moved from last fight, but let's start there. Yeah. And we're sure. we're gonna talk about the ultimate WWE heel when we talk about anybody named Diaz in the UFC. Yeah. So they're a kind of anti hero. Flip you know, got got that Stone Cold Steve Austin flipping the camera off and uh stuff like that. But they have a huge following too, man. You know, pe people love those guys that if if you're from Canada, you you do not like the Diaz people because of the George St. Pierre rivalry. But uh, yeah, people love Nate though, man. He is he, he is quite the character. There has been um, there was an article on ESPN about just all these celebrities that have bumped shoulders with him. He was hanging out with Leo DiCaprio at one point. He's he's gotten quite a, a crowd around him. He's, he's, and the crazy thing is, he's we got a little, we got a little of the campfire going there for a minute. <laughs> yeah. So, no, no you're good. There. I love it. I love it, man. Get it <laughs> up if you can get it up. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I, I'm excited to watch Nate fight. Cause another thing is you don't get to see it all that often. Um, he's gotten in contract disputes with UFC a lot over the years. Some, some I can see his point of view. Some, I don't necessarily agree with him. Uh, but after the second Connor fight, everybody wanted the trilogy, including myself, because the second fight was so good. And they immediately gave Connor the lightweight title shot after that. And Nate was kind of left out in the cold. So from 2016 to 2019, Nate did not fight in UFC. He took quite a break, uh, said, you know, I'm, I'm not coming until you show me something. And uh, they they showed him the money, like the old Jerry Maguire scene. Uh, he fought Anthony Pettis got a dominant win there and then he called out jorge masvidal and of course that was the whole uh, bmf belt with uh dwayne the rock johnson came out there you know as a madison square garden he lost that fight in pretty controversial fashion he had a cut above his eye like right around there and he was bleeding in his eye a bit but those those diaz boys have been around for so long they got so much scar tissue they, they bleed like crazy like one or two rounds in a fight, even if they're dominating the fight, they, they bleed so easy. Like 
like pro wrestlers back in the eighties and nineties when they used to cut themselves, they're probably jealous of the Diaz guys because they, they they bleed without even trying sometimes. But uh, Nate is quite the character, and this is huge to get him on this card. And the bonus is it's a five round fight. That's not even a co main event, but they sign on to make this a five rounder, which I think really adds some intrigue into it because um, Nate's known for his cardio and sometimes it takes him a round or two to get warmed up. If you look at the first McGregor fight, it took him the better part, probably four minutes into that first round before he really started to warm up. And then of course, uh, you know, he, he gassed McGregor out and ended up getting the rear naked choke and winning that fight, which started their whole rivalry. But um, he's very accomplished Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner. He's a second-degree black belt under the great Caesar Gracie. Uh, him and his brother Nick own their own school out in Stockton, California, and they are world-renowned for their jiu-jitsu. It's world-class. They're very good. Uh, Rob, if, uh, is Nate Diaz a guy that makes you buy a pay-per-view? Yeah, for me, I mean, he is. He, he's one of those top guys. I mean, even re in, in reality – McGregor would be too. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. th those are two guys that would definitely put me into wanting to buy one. I'm with you. Nah. All right, Andrew, you're my MMA expert here. I'm going to run a, a – and Rob, be getting a prediction ready um, <laughs> for Diaz Edwards. And, and we'll let you go third. We'll give you – we'll give you – we'll give you the advantage here in uh, – uh, Andrew and I, and then we'll let you get a third on this deal. All right. All right, Andrew. Yes, sir. Is Nate Diaz past his prime already? Um, I don't think he's past his prime. Well, we'll find out tomorrow. But I, I don't know if he – I don't think he's championship contender. But, again, we'll find that out tomorrow. But um, – I felt like in the Jorge Masvidal fight, Masvidal was tuning him up pretty good. I know a lot of people wanted to see that fight play out. It ended at the end of the third round. He had a few good shots and was doing some stuff, but Masvidal was really controlling that fight. Uh, Kamara Usman's manager has said that if Nate wins this fight, he wants Nate and Usman to fight next for the title, which a lot of people might fuss that Nate's jumping line for sure. Colby Covington would be the first way jumping line. Yeah. yeah. But Nate uh, sells tickets and the more tickets and the more pay-per-view buys you get, the more money you get. So uh, you can't blame Usman for uh, wanting that. So, so I, it's that hard to say. Go ahead. Does Leon Edwards have to win impressively to jump Colby Covington? Yeah, so I I didn't talk about Leon yet, so I'm gonna give him his due. Um, he's he's 18 and three with one no contest, which his last fight was a no contest. He had a, a poke to the eye; uh, it was accidental, but that was stopped in the second round against Belil. Uh, he's had a lot of time off in between fights. At one point, they pulled his name off of the rankings on welterweight because he hadn't fought in like 400 days or something like that. But before that, he had an eight fight win streak. He's had six out of his eight fights have gone to unanimous decision. So I think he needs a real fireworks finish for him to jump line because, in my opinion, Colby deserves uh, the shot against Usman next. Colby's done everything, whether you like him or you hate him, and he's he's the top WWE kind of hill, in my opinion, yeah. now, which I like him. I think he's a great fighter. I think all that stuff just kind of for show, but when he gets in there – He's, he's magnificent as a fighter. Colby uh, is, that is. But Leon's going to need to show something really special because with the Colby and Usman rivalry, that's going to sell a ton of tickets too. I know Usman can't stand him, but that, that's just part of you know having a rival. But uh, Leon Edwards, he's 18-3. and three. Uh, Six of his wins by KO, three by sub, but six of his last eight have gone to decision. He was going to fight uh, Hamzat Shemaya, uh last December. They had to postpone that fight because Leon Edwards got COVID-19, and he actually got it so bad he lost 12 pounds. So he had a really bad case of it. They tried to reschedule it again. He was still doing kind of rough. Uh, Hamzat ended up getting it himself. So they tried to schedule that fight three different times, and finally Dana said, all right, screw it. Let's, let's scrap it. So, uh, But, you know, we, we got him versus Nate, so it's a, it's a great matchup. You know, I, I want to see how – 
he'll do in a five round fight because that's that's the big factor here. I think Leon has had, you know, he's won eight in a row, but at the same time, these have all been three round fights. He's not had these, you know, main event matches. And and Nate's been in there. He's been in some wars. He's been in five round fights. He's he's got crazy cardio. Him and his brother Nick, they they bicycle. They run marathons. They went and swam uh, out in San Francisco Bay, tried to swim the Alcatraz. They had a boat following them. They they've got insane cardio. So. Uh, Nate starts off slow, but I'd like to see how uh, this plays out in the later rounds. Rob, before we go to the prediction, let me ask you a question. That's, and, and this is interesting, having someone just getting into the sport. Me and Andrew started this show about a year ago, and Andrew drug me alone into the sport. Is there This fight lends to the style to be in smash mouth. Uh, as a, a, a new person to the sport, I've learned – to appreciate the, the wrestling aspect of the UFC, you know, the, the, the great, like, Khabib and stuff. When you flip on the UFC and you watch a fight, do you want to see a full-out brawl, or can you appreciate the technical side of UFC? See, I can do both. Um, I mean, even, like, with, with boxing, I've always been the guy that, I mean, I just like when two guys go out there and just beat on each other, you know what I mean? But I can appreciate the technical aspect of it, but sometimes when guys get a little too technical, you know, it, it does have a, a tendency to get boring. Um, with a fight like this, though, I, I think these are just two guys that are probably going to go out there and just beat on each other. I, I mean, honestly. I, I think you're probably probably right on uh, that. So I'm going to start with predictions and Andrew will come to you and Rob, we'll let you have the, as our guest tonight, we'll let you have the back spot. <laughs> now I don't often say this about a prediction, but if I had all the money in the world and somebody said, we're going to take all the money uh, from you, or you've got to pick one UFC fight over the next year that you're going to pick right. You get to keep all your money if you pick that one fight right. It would be Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz. I don't see Nate Diaz even having a opportunity here, except if he can catch something big shot. And I don't think he has the power at 170. My guy that I follow so closely, MMA Guru, he said if somebody had a gun to his head, he would still pick. Uh, he would still pick uh, Leon, D, uh, Leon Edwards. Now, I'm not going to that extreme, but I don't see a way that Nick Diaz wins this fight, Andrew. I think striking, it's Leon Edwards. Ground, it's Leon Edwards. I even think five-round cardio is Leon Edwards. All that being said, go bet on Nate Diaz because I've done proof when I'm this confident I'm always wrong. <laughs> So I'm going to give you Leon Edwards front leg kick per round or front body kick. I, I just don't see the path for Nate Diaz to win. You think he stops him? Yes. Wow. Right. I mean, uh, my guy, my guy that I do use for the uh, DFS said that this was the biggest Mitch match in the history of UFC. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I carry it that far. I don't know if I go that far, Yeah. but, but, I do think I do think Leon Edwards wins, and I think Leon Edwards knows he must win impressive, yeah. or he gets shuffled out. So, yeah. A quick note about that question earlier when uh, you're talking about Usman and, and the title shot. Usman and Leon Edwards have fought before, and that was 2015, right. and Usman beat him in a unanimous decision. So, uh, sometimes people want to see something new, but um, yeah, um, Nate Diaz, to his credit has only been finished one time actual like ko and josh thompson with a head kick and uh then you know they threw in the towel uh, he was he was getting clobbered pretty good but he is getting older to your point and you know he he doesn't fight consistently you know he hasn't fought since november 2019 that's quite a quite a while out of the octagon um nate does have him beat on one thing i would say is jujitsu if it comes to a pure grappling match you think so? yeah he's a second degree black belt man and his submissions are spectacular his 
His triangle choke of Kurt Pellegrino is one of my favorite things I've ever seen. He's choking him with his legs, and he throws two middle fingers in the air while he while he's yeah. choking before he even taps out. You know, of course, he's got the rear naked choke over Connor. Um, he's he had a great uh, guillotine choke of Jim Miller with like half guard. It was really good. Uh, I think if it goes to the ground, he's really good off his back, even if Leon's wrestling him. Um, Nate, his as far as his striking, he likes stuff in volumes. He's not a a one punch knockout kind of guy. He likes to hit you 10 times and beat you down with, uh, you know, like peppering punches. Uh, with that being said, I, I am taking Leon Edwards. I think it's going to go to decision. I think you might try to out wrestle him, uh, try to wear, you know, wear him down. And probably, I, I think Leon's probably got better striking at this point in the game than him. But uh, I'd be interested to see if it went to the ground, if Nate could pull out, you know, something crazy. Cause he's, He's got submissions, man. His jujitsu is, is world class, but I, I will go Leon Edwards and a, a decision win. But I'm I'm not as confident as, as you in your prediction because they can pull it out at any point. I was shocked by how confident my DFS guy, who I put all the confidence in the world in, yeah, was Andrew. I'm, I've never heard him go to this egg. Yeah, and, and it was a live chat I was in and. He was crucified by the Nate Diaz fans, but I yeah. followed. I followed his predictions. I'm going with it. So yeah, no, I don't blame you. I mean, I, Edwards is is the money right now, you know. So, but to but, finish uh, him is a nice bet because I think that's like a plus bet oh, because really? it is Nate Diaz. Yeah, because he, he's so tough, man. I mean, even if you don't like him, you got to give him credit. He doesn't get finished, you know. So, but. MMA's crazy, man. Jorge Masvidal, we hadn't seen him get finished in UFC, and he got slept, you know, last last month. So, man, who knows? Knocked out. Yeah. All right, Rob, here's your first prediction on the show. It's not that we're going to judge you, but you can never come back if you get this one wrong. <laughs> hey, listen, Randall, I just ended up on here because I was trying to make a trade with you in fantasy baseball. The next thing I know, I'm on a UFC chat with you guys. But yeah. <laughs> um. I mean, really, if I'm a vet man, I'm going with Leon Edwards. I mean, basically for the same reasons. I mean, he's a good striker and, and whatnot. Um, but even just odds-wise, I mean, Diaz is going to have to pull something out to beat him, I think. I mean, he he's a – you know, I mean, I know it can go any way at any time, but he just seems like such an underdog in this situation. I think Leon ends up pulling this one out. All right, yeah, you have to, you have to, you have to appear on show to get me to trade with you anytime. <laughs> hey, listen, man, that's anytime, man. I'll be on here with you all the time if you want. I don't care. We'll get you on one of our wrestling shows too. Uh, me and my boy Howie Cheney does those. All right, but it's good to have you here, Rob. I, I like having a layman. I like hearing new opinions, you know, because Andrew and I, I, I got to say it. I've become a little bit of a mark too so not long ago i was in your position going i don't know who this guy is andrew i don't know who this guy is so listen you guys are making me want to buy a fight that's all that's all it is too. you guys want me to buy some pay-per-view here dana should hire us because we're, we're we're fishing to get people to buy it so you guys could be the ufc hype guys yeah. we're the hype master just call us jimmy hart and bobby heenan yeah we do got a mouth of the south don't we? yeah all right, guys. Robbie, we'll come back to you here in just a minute, and we'll get you a prediction for you on the Davison Figueredo fight. But let's get us self there, Andrew. Uh, break us down, Davis Figueredo. Yeah, so versus. Gotta... And this is a rematch too, correct? Yes, yes, it and, is. And, and and I saw one of the not the official UFC publications, but they rated this the best fight of the year. Yeah. Yeah, you could you could for sure give it fight of the year. It was kind of between this fight and the Dan Hooker uh, Poirier fight last summer, uh, both incredible fights. But you could say either one. But uh, this is the flyweight title fight. Current champ is Davis and Figueredo. I think he holds the record for being on our show the most, at least us talking, because he's had so many fights between this third between, time, right? Let's see. He fought uh, Joseph. Benavidez, then he fought Perez, then he fought Marino the first time, and now it's the second. He's been on, we talked about him four times. So. And we got him to a full year anniversary. 
Yeah, I know it's it's insane. So I don't I don't feel like we even have to give his bio again, but I'll give a little background. But Figueredo's twenty uh, one and one, uh, nine of his wins by KO, eight by submission. Uh, he's black belt in jiu-jitsu, Brazilian. Uh, he's he holds the record for fastest turnaround for a title fight. Like I was just saying, he had a beautiful victory over Alex Perez, where he kind of jumped up standing full guard and got the guillotine sub in the first round, and then he turns right back around 21 days later and fights Marino for the first time. Uh, Brandon Moreno is 18-5-2, uh, his uh, three KOs and 10 submissions. He's a great uh, jiu-jitsu practitioner. He's also a black belt. Uh, like we said in December, they've already fought. It was a majority draw, so it wasn't a draw the whole way. Um, one of the judges scored it 48-46, Figueredo. I don't think I would have went that far with it, but um, – a lot of people might not remember, but Figueredo did lose a point. It was in round three for a low blow, and that essentially cost him the win. But it was that uh, there was some talk about that him losing that round plus losing a point. Yeah, that ten eight round really swung that, and it's not a normal ten eight round. If it loses yeah. that five. Exactly. Yeah, that's a that's a weird ten eight round there. Yeah. But, yeah. So, so huge huge momentum change in the fight. Yeah, because I had it 48-47. Uh, I, I thought that figure eight would have won, but, like, that, that point cost him. And, you know, it is what it is, man. That's, that's how you play the rules of the game. That's the way it goes. But figure eight, even though this is flyweight, by the way, so this is 125 pounds. He hits so hard, I think he could compete really well at Bantam weight. And he has had weight-cutting issues before. Um, he kind of had a little bit of a struggle getting down the weight for this fight. They had to do the old where they pull the towel out and they're pretty much completely nude because, you know, even their boxers and stuff's adding on a little bit of weight and he was able I, to cut it. I do have to get under 320. <laughs> we'll pull the towel out for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I love watching Figueredo fight. I've talked about him, you know, this is the fourth time already, but uh, the guy's amazing. If he loses, um, you almost wonder if maybe they run it back and try to do a trilogy because the first one, a lot of people thought he won, even though it was a draw. Probably depends on what happens. There's so many what ifs. If Figueredo wins, then obviously Moreno's, you know, we're moving on and going to something else. But if Figueredo loses this fight, you've got to question if he's going to get a rematch because for, you know, flyweights, these guys don't get a lot of stardom you know because uh, they're smaller and they're fast they're a lot of fun to watch they're your hardcore guys like myself will watch them but you know late people might not like them as much because a lot of their fights go to decision and they're really fast a lot of jabs a lot of quick punches and you know you don't see so many knockouts figurado hits like a truck and he's got great submission skills so he finishes fights at flyweight he is a joy to watch um so I don't want to show my bias, but I like him a lot. So, you know, I kind of want to see him, you know, keep running things. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. But there has been talk if he continues to dominate at flyweight, maybe possibly moving up to bantamweight and seeing what's going on there. But uh, that's that's so far in the future. And th this fight's going to be so good that you, you can't you can't look that far ahead. And Moreno's great, man. He, he's awesome, too. His jiu-jitsu skills are Really on point, so I, I'm looking forward to this fight. This whole card's great. All right, Rob, I, I got a question for you that I think we we've talked about boxing in the past, and, and, and in boxing it seems like the 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 money fights are at middleweight at minimum, lot heavyweight, and then of course heavyweight big guys draw crowds. To the average fan, which I consider myself. In the UFC, does those guys, the littler guys, have a better chance to to be a draw than it does in professional boxing? Just from the fact that I think in boxing they look tiny, but when you see them in a cage, they still look like big guys. What do you What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's always been kind of one of those ways. Even when you're watching, like like you said, one of the big fights, like pay per view boxing and whatnot. The little guys seem to go at it a little bit more. They they seem to be the guys that have a little bit more energy, and even realistically, will just kind of go out there and, I mean, for lack of a better term, just kind of punch themselves to death. 
I mean, they'll just go out there and just, they try to tear the house down. I mean, even with boxing, I've, I've watched countless pay-per-view fights where, you know, the, the smaller guys will come out there and they're just swinging left and right, just going at it. And then the, the main event that you're all excited for is just two guys that they're just dancing around the ring. And you're like, well, you know, the earlier fight was a lot better than what we were waiting for. So, I mean, usually the little guys, they, they love to go out there and put on a lot more of a show. Yeah, and do you think and, and like a good example right now, our heavyweight champion in UFC is a scary, scary man. And I compare him to, to Mike Tyson. Compare the draw of Mike Tyson or a great big fighter to a little fighter. Is it better? I mean, if you're talking about Tyson, Tyson was always a draw. I mean, I remember being a kid. He was just one of those guys, I mean, he would leave you pissed off because he would come out and win a fight in 30 seconds, but you'd still buy that you'd you'd buy that next fight just to see if he could beat a guy in less than 30 seconds. I mean, it, it, it made you mad that it would happen so quick, but you had no problem throwing away 50 bucks to watch him win a fight in 20 to 30 seconds. Yep, yep. Well, we'll be back to you. For a prediction on uh, Figueredo Marino, and you'll get again, you'll get the advantage of hearing. I would listen to Andrew more than me, to be honest yeah. with you. <laughs> All right, here comes a rapid fire, Andrew, right before a prediction, and 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 I'm gonna throw some, I'm gonna throw some questions and get quick comments from you. Yeah. Uh, is this the same fight as previous? Minus a real bad case of food poisoning the night before. Oh, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> That's the great unknown. Maybe not. I figure Figueredo is very pedoed right now. Like he was, he was fired up at the uh, the weigh-ins. He he got in Moreno's face, kind of shoved him a little bit. Which Moreno was like a really even even tempered guy. I think. Uh, Figueredo had so much momentum going and this and having a draw pump the brakes on his stardom. So I think he's out to prove a point tomorrow uh, night. So Davison Figueredo the night before, according to Daniel Cormier, was in the hospital before the first fight with a case of the food poisoning, which caused him almost pseudo cut weight twice. Would that really take I mean, it would. You, you, we've all had some kind of stomach ailment. Yeah. Can you imagine fighting 24 hours after that situation? Yeah. I mean, you're drained, man. Anytime you get food poisoning, you know, I mean, remember the Michael Jordan flu game? I mean, it wasn't the flu. It was food poisoning, you know, against the Jazz in game five. I think it was 97, you know, and I mean, he was just exhausted, though he still put on a heck of a performance. But, yeah, I, things, things might have been different for sure, and I – I think Figueredo is, is fired up that, um, you know, it really pumped the brakes on his momentum because he, he had, what, three finishes in one year? He was ready to rock and roll. And, hey, and he was, had that goal of six finishes in a year, six, yeah. five. All he right. would have been fighter of the year, no doubt, if, if he won that fight because that would have been four wins in one year and the pandemic yeah. going on. That's really impressive. So another question, Figueredo is such a big guy for this division. Last time they took this fight on three weeks. Is cutting that much weight, which I got to think for Figueredo cuts 20, 25 pounds, but by sure size, is three weeks enough to cut 20 pounds? Well, uh, you know, he was coming off his, his title fight, so he's, he was at weight, and I think what they just did was continue camp right after that because that, that fight didn't even get out of the first round, you know, with – him and Perez, they had kind of a little bit of a scramble. I don't even know if he took maybe but a couple of shots, and then he, he jumped guard standing and got the guillotine choke. So I, I think basically his camp just said, hey, let's just pretend like this fight got delayed three weeks and just stay with the weight you're at. So he, did, he didn't really have to cut too much because he was already there. Now, if you're talking about walking around weight, and then I, I come up and I say, Randall, I need you to fight in three weeks. I need you to cut, I need you to cut down to 125. That that would be so taxing. But he has I'm not. I'm not cutting 200 pounds in no yeah. three weeks. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, 
man, I could go off on a tangent on this, but, but weight cutting is so dangerous and I, I kind of hate it, man. I really do. Like, I think people should fight at their natural weight. There's some organizations in Japan where they actually, they, they have a system to measure you and they're basically like, no, you're, you're fighting at welterweight. You're not a lightweight. You can't, you can't go down. You're at one. Yeah. We're not letting you fight at 155. And that's smart because look how many times at the weigh-in somebody passes out or something. They've had to cancel fights because of this. Or people can't make weight and they're you know four or five pounds over and they're about to throw up. You know it's it's dangerous. It really is. We never and we'll get to the predictions next. We might not have seen a bigger, better example of weight cutting and the difference in size and and how some guys cut and some don't. And when we talk in the next fight about Adesanya and Blo- and Yon and just how they are one weight class apart in the UFC, but one of them is a massive man. Yes. And the other one is a slender man. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, it was it was shocking the size mm. difference. Right. And Adesanya is not that big of a middleweight, so him jumping up to light heavy was that was that was wild. But yeah, I'll go off on that on the next fight. But All right. Yeah, you so- got a good point. Here we go. Davidson Figueredo, Brandon Moreno. Randall calls it a great fight. I think Davidson Figueredo's reach is too much for Brandon Moreno. I also think Davidson Figueredo, I do think the food poisoning was real. They've been a lot of talk whether it was real or not. Dana White said it was real. Daniel Cormier said it was real. All the guys that I kind of listened to in this sport said, Hey, it was real. Uh, hey, man, I, we've got uh, got fans in uh, Italy waiting for the main event here, man. That's cool. Thanks for joining us from Italy today. Uh, I'm going with Davison Figueroa on a third round TKO. Yeah, I'll, I'll go uh, Figueroa in second round. I, I think he's he's motivated. Like you know, last year he he would have been fighter of the year, no doubt. I mean, if you still voted for him, that would have been cool. I mean, but he had, you know, two wins over Benavidez, you know, and that spectacular win over Alex Perez, you know, not even getting out of the first round. If he beats Marino, he's hands down, you know, he's four and zero. He's he's fighter fighter of the year. So he's got some motivation coming into this, and I I think he uh, I think he gets the stoppage second round. All right, Big Rob. Here's your uh, chance to go two and zero. We both take Davison Figueredo over Brandon Moreno. Where are you going with it? Uh, I'm going to go Figueredo, but I believe it probably goes decision. Really? Uh, yeah, I think could. slow it down a little bit and uh, just kind of draw it out. Now, if it ends quick, then I believe that Moreno will win. But for me, I think Figueredo takes it clear to a uh, decision, but he wins. Nice. I didn't. I would like to see that fight, to be honest with you. And then they did go the distance last time. Yeah. Rob, did you um, uh, did you actually see in a, a, the difference in size in Israel Arlesano, Sonia, and one Blovich in their last fight? No, honestly, I did not. Okay, I, I was I was hoping you had. Because we're about to get into that. But let's just say it was Brock Lesnar versus Eddie Guerrero type of difference in size. <laughs> yeah, because Adesanya, is, is, he's not a big middleweight. I mean, uh, when he fought Paula Costa, you know, critics of Izzy, their, their big thing was they were saying, well, Costa's huge and he's he's massive. He's, he's got that bodybuilder build. He's going to be able to out-wrestle him and take him down. And Izzy was worked his striking game to perfection on that. Um, so – to your point, he is not a big middleweight at all. He's very slender, and for him to go up to light heavy, which uh, different different weight divisions have different, uh, you know, differences in the weight. Like uh, middleweight up to light heavy is a twenty pound jump. That that's huge. You know, like welter to uh, lightweight would be like fifteen pounds, or, or lightweight to feather would be ten pounds. A twenty pound difference is enormous. Uh, and, and a fight, especially with, with these guys that are world class. And uh, Juan Blahovich just was able to implement his double leg takedowns and you know keep the pressure on him. And you know, props to Izzy for stepping up and trying you know to to be a two division champ. Uh, but you know, Juan was just size size mattered in that fight, man. It, it was for real. It did, and and 
when you have a chance, Rob, I'd like for you to Google that if you get a chance. One uh, Blahovich versus Israel Adesanya, just to see the difference. So, Andrew, I'm going to let you. Uh, our friend from Italy said thoughts on Israel, Izzy, and Verito when they were fighting, thought the fight. Uh, yeah, that's minute. awesome, dude. I got a lot yeah. of questions. Yeah, yeah. so uh, I'll go ahead. Hey, let's start there. Let's recap. Let's let's start with the first fight from this this rematch here. Yeah, and, so, and let's let's let you hear let, let let you break it down for us. Yeah, so Marvin Vittori, he he is uh, from Italy, so you know, shout out to Italia. I've been there a few times, so pretty cool. I I, I think this may be our father's guest. We had one from <laughs> Canada before. That's cool. Yeah, he's seventeen four and one. It, it's uh, much great pulling the Italy crowd. I think. <laughs> Uh, two of his victories by KO, nine by submission. He is a brown belt in jiu-jitsu, so I will give him the edge and submissions against Izzy on that. Uh, they have fought before, and it was 2018. It went to split decision, so that's pretty big for uh, Vittori because uh, one judge had him winning the fight, and Adesanya is 20-1 and one, with the only loss being the Juan Blahovich fight uh, a few months ago. So he didn't have a blemish on his record. So even getting one judge out of three to say that you won the fight is huge. That's huge for Vittori's confidence that he's like, you know, I've been here before. I've, I've fought Adesanya. Now Adesanya has improved in leaps and bounds since 2018. So he's a different fighter. But uh, Vittori's been there with him and, you know, getting a split he didn't win the fight, obviously, but one judge thought he won it. That's that's pretty big for your confidence. And uh, if you watch the presser, it, it got pretty heated. These guys were talking a lot of trash. And Vittori especially was getting really, really worked up. He was standing up, screaming, uh, about to lose it and try to walk over there. Dana was having to hold him back. And uh, Adesanya, that's kind of him working his game. He likes to get in opponents' heads and, uh, you know, do a little trash talk. But uh, – yeah, shout out to Italy, man. You guys uh, got a guy fighting for the middleweight title. So that, that's huge for the country. And that is tomorrow night, by the way, if that was part of the question. I believe they were asking. Yeah, um, I, fight. yeah I think the fight is tomorrow night. I think in the Italy time, it'll be midday tomorrow. They're, well, they're, they're six hours ahead. So 10 p.m. here will be four in the morning there. So uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be watching it if I was. <laughs> yeah, man. All but, right. Go ahead. I, that's great. Um, I, and, and let's talk about it. Uh, you know, we've talked about Australian and New Zealand fighters and how they bring a little different something to the ring. And and, and then, Rob, I'm going to go to you and ask a question to relate to boxing to this. Um, I, I always have a mental image of the uh, European fighters, kind of like the Gypsy Queen uh, King and stuff. They're maybe not the most talented group of fighters, but physically and mentally tough, Andrew. And I think that describes this fighter. He is mentally a tough kind of – I you wouldn't want to run into him on the street somewhere along the way, you know. Oh, Vittori, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. Um, and he's he's got great ground and pound, and his his grappling's really good. You know, he's a, he's a solid brown belt. You know, he's he's got – nine submission wins um, i think he wants to dirty it up a little bit i think he wants to take a blueprint from one Blahovich's playbook and try to implement some takedowns little ground and pound try to work submissions now easier said than done because izzy a lot of people would say he he's probably the best pure striker in mma uh, just a little background on adesanya for anybody watching he is a former kickboxer and a kickboxing champ and uh, just go watch his fight against Paula Costa. Costa's huge, big dude, way, way bigger than Adesanya is. Had him beat, uh, you know, muscle-wise. But Adesanya's striking is just so crisp and on point that uh, he doesn't have to utilize power because he's so accurate. He'll put it right on your nose and knock you right out. Um, so I, I love the matchup. I love that they've already fought before. And um, – one thing that's kind of cool is stuff goes in phases as far as which countries are, are dominating the scene. And right now we have three Nigerian champs, which is pretty cool. You know, Adesanya is Nigerian, though he is from New Zealand. Um, so 
He's the champ, Kamara Usman, who's also Nigerian, and Francis Ngannou, your very scary gentleman that is our heavyweight champ right now, are all uh, Nigerian. So it's kind of cool, you know, that uh, it, it's different because it goes in phases. You know, at one point it was all Brazilians dominating, then American wrestlers, and now it's kind of, you know, it's, it's going toward uh, the Nigerians. So it's pretty neat. Rob, question to you. Uh, let's bring this over. Why is – the Europeans so dominant in the sport of boxing at larger weights now. Is it is it is it that the, the heavyweight and light heavyweight and, and just the way that the training has shifted to a uh, a European form of fighting? I, I think a lot of it is that. I think a lot of it is the training. I mean, especially like you said, switching to the uh, European form of fighting. I mean. And realistically, the these guys, it's just like, you know, with, with basketball and whatnot, especially over in Europe and whatnot, these guys go up against grown men and whatnot and really push themselves. So from a young age, they learn what it's like to be against the, the best of the best. Right. And I think what really shifts a lot of it, especially boxing-wise and whatnot, to to the European side just because of the fact that they, they there's no really any regulation. They, they just kind of go against anybody that they can and build themselves up to be stronger. They know what it's like to go against someone that's better than they are. You know what I mean? Right. And, and a 16-year-old may be in a ring with a 35-year-old in Europe where right. it might not be allowed in America. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Good point. All right. Here we go. Rapid fire. Come into my boy Andrew. I like. Hey. By the way, I think rapid fire is becoming part of this. Yeah, uh, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 uh, here we go. Kevin Holland. Uh, yeah. How impressive is that win? That's huge. Um, going into that fight. Kevin Holland was kind of the uh, the new face they were pushing middleweight. You know, he had a brilliant knockout of Jacare Sosa, which nobody knocks out Jacare. Nobody knocks out Jacare. In, in fact, I mean, hardly anybody knocks out anybody from the bottom anyway, much less a multi-world uh, champion in jiu-jitsu, Jacare Sosa was. That, was. that was huge, man, and Holland was on the tear. In fact, a lot of people were, you know, recommending that Holland be a 2020 uh, fighter of the year candidate. And that was justified, but Vittori dominated him, man. And Holland, it was, it was very strange during the fight. He was talking a lot and chatting and he was, he was getting dominated and he was kind of chatting it up. In fact, at one point he was talking to Habib in the corner and it, it was very weird, but that, that's not Vittori's fault. He went in and dominated and did his job. So that was a very impressive fight and obviously dana thought it was impressive enough to give him a title shot so i think he wants to dirty this fight up and get it down do a little ground and pound implement his game and try to implement his size a little bit and, and we have another fan uh that fight time in America 10 p.m uh, yeah 10 p.m starts the main card tomorrow night it's, it's on pay-per-view on espn plus at 8 o'clock, you can watch the uh, preliminary fights for free on ESPN. So uh, I like watching the prelims. They usually put a really good main event in. And if you're kind of on the fence about ordering the fight, a lot of times the prelims draw you in, then you end up ordering it because you're like, man, I really want to see this main card. So, yeah, main card, 10 p.m. Eastern time here in America uh, on ESPN+. Plus. It's Dana, Dana needs to send us a check. We've sold a lot of subscriptions. This yeah, year. I think we just did. Yeah, we're so level. All right, and, and Rob, you got a prediction coming up when we finish this rapid fire, so I'll be, be ready, ready with it. All right, buddy. He's in Australia. If you got the Australia time, so we've got Italy and Australia tonight. Yeah, oh, uh, Australia's way different than us. I'm not sure. It, I, it's PM Eastern American time. So uh. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna convert it for you, buddy. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, rapid fire. Does it hurt Dimitri's claim? I don't guess. I don't guess it's claimed to have won the fight, but his claim to have won the first fight. Does it not seem that he hurts his own case 
by how insistent he is that he won the first fight. I thought he won the first round. I thought it was a close fight, but he has been very insistent that he won the first fight. Hey, you know, man, I mean, to, to give him credit, though, one judge said that he did win it, and also he's trying to hype the fight and sell tickets and sell pay-per-views. So I don't blame him for saying I won the fight because, uh, you know, if he's real humble and saying, I don't know, maybe I probably I probably lost it, then, you know, you're probably not going to be like, well, I, you know, I want to see this guy. You know, it, it's it's about confidence, too, and it's it's building the fight up. You know, and that's going to give Izzy some motivation because Izzy's going to want to win this, you know, hands down, try to finish the fight. That way there's no question who won it. So I think it's good to build the fight up. So I have no problem with that. Our friend in Australia, 10 p.m. Eastern uh, U.S. time for the fight uh, will will be at 12.53, Australian time. So. 10.50, you're 12 hours ahead, so it'll be midday Sunday. You can watch the preliminaries free on the ESPN app, which I do know is available in Australia. Uh, it's the American ESPN app. You can see all the preliminary fights for free. The main event is only on ESPN+. Plus. Yeah, you got to pay for that one. So. Yeah. All right, a couple more questions. We're running out of time real quick here. Uh one Bohovich fight. What did we learn about Israel Adesanya? And it, it did that fight set him back? Uh, no, I don't think it set him back at all. Uh, you know, people may say so, but I, I I applaud him for going up and weight, and and he was not two hundred five pounds. <laughs> Nowhere know, near. He, no, and you know he was way outsized, and he was the favorite going into that fight. Even you know a lot of people thought he was going to win, but. I don't think it set him back. I think a lot of people applauded him trying to get up there and do it. And, you know, you, you never, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And I'd, I'd rather strike out swinging the bat than just looking at it. And, you know, he went for it. He didn't get it, which it's good for him because now in his mind, he's like, hey, man, let's just run this middleweight division. Let's clean this thing out. I'm not going to worry about light, heavy, you know, and, and, He's not going to worry about welterweight because that's 15 pounds below. So I think he's – and plus Usman's the champ there, and they're like best friends. So he's got his mind made up. He's focused. All middleweights look out because, you know, Izzy's, Izzy's, Izzy's the man, dude. He's running it. So I don't think it really knocked his stardom down. Now, if he had won, it would have catapulted him into the stratosphere because then he'd have been a champ champ, you know, in a 20-pound difference weight division. But I don't think it knocked it down, though. All right, Rob, question for you. Originally, uh, originally, Vittori wanted this fight to come in October. It's in Jan June. Big difference in between the two. As a, as a fight fan, as a martial arts fan, as a boxing fan, what does it mean for this? Does, does a fighter have a rhythm to his body? And if he's asking for something in September, October to come back in June, is that physically possible? I mean, I guess he doesn't really have much choice other than to be ready. Um, but, I mean, with, with rhythm and whatnot, especially like body rhythm and everything, you're looking at, I really feel like these guys kind of get into that rhythm and they're used to, you know, I'm going to fight this weekend and then I've got this much time off. That's going to give me time to train and get ready. And then when you throw a little bit of wrench into that, that's going to throw off a lot of that training and they're going to have to change a lot of what they're doing and, and their routine and everything. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when we're not getting, you know, the fight we want when we want, we're going to have to take the fight we want when we're going to be given that fight. Absolutely. Andrew, same question. Uh, and we'll come back for a prediction here in a second, Rob. Same question. When the, the victory fight, and the Holland fight was over. In the post-fight press conference, he says, I will be ready for a title fight in October. It's happening in June. Is it too fast for him to recover? Possibly. And we'll see how it goes. But at the same time, there's so many so many killers out there in MMA, so many top guys that if if you say, No, I can't I can't do it now, and they bypass you and some contender takes the shot. And then 
something happens and they were to knock Izzy off, then you just lost your shot, you know, and you might not get another one. So you can't, you know, you know, I, I understand you might want to wait till October, but sometimes you can't pick and choose when it happens. I mean, look, going back to Nate Diaz, and this was five years ago when Rafael Dos Anjos had to pull out of the Connor fight and Nate took the fight on like 11 days notice and went in there. You know, that changed the course of his career because he, he, had, he had a big fan base and a lot of people liked him. But when he choked out Connor and then they had their second fight, even though he lost, it was just such a good fight. And just both of them were battered and bloody. I mean, that blasted him into the stratosphere. So it can be life changing to take a fight, you know. Uh, so, like I said, you know, I. He, he knows his body more than we do, and maybe he needed it. But at the same time, you're not going to get a shot at the middleweight title every day against Izzy. So you got to take it. All right, Rob. I appreciate you joining us, Andrew, as always. Now we're going out on our prediction here. Rob, thanks for joining us. We're going to have you back for a wrestling pay-per-view. Uh, we're going to do a, a, a couple of live reacts to maybe some AEW pay-per-views and some WWE pay-per-views. You want to join us for one of those? I think that'd be a lot of fun. Oh, man, I tell you, I'd be in for that. I uh, actually saw the a the AEW pay-per-view, the uh, last one that was in Baltimore. I went and stayed with my brother-in-law and went to that one. It was a heck of a time. Oh, good, man. I'm a big AEW guy. Uh, I'm a huge AEW guy. So I enjoy that. And and, and the empire continues to grow. Uh, I, I River City Media will cross 40,000 in 28 days here quickly, so there's always room. We've built this network off of our friends and our, you know, Andrew, sometimes it's hard to believe that we started this in a hallway with an <laughs> iPhone 5, yeah. and now we have 40,000 people tuning in in a month. But I'm going to go, there's a lot of me that want to pick uh, Marvin Vigici. There's a lot of me, and just from the fact that I've picked two favorites, I guess I'm, I'm I'm leaning that way. But I'm not. But I do think the Bovich fight left a sour taste in my mouth about Adesanya. So I think he gets it done, and he gets it done clean. And I'm going to go with a third-round knockout, and I think he reestablishes himself. As you said, I'm running the middleweight division. Yeah. Yeah, man, I think uh, Vittori comes out hot. I think he tries to get a takedown and tries to dirty it up a little bit. And then Adesanya composes and works his game, and he's a great counter striker. And I think he, uh, I think Adesanya gets the knockout in the second round. But I think the first round is going to be a lot of fun. And I think Vittori goes, and I think he actually gets a takedown. Um, and then Adesanya uh, – Composes himself and then gets the knockout. So that's what that's I think. the story I've told myself of how he wins the fight. I, I'm yeah. almost pulling the upset as he just gets him down and beats him into submission. But yeah, I'm not. All right, Rob. Last word for the night, buddy. I just want to say I appreciate you guys having me on here. I'm going to be honest. This has been a blast. Cool. Uh, cool. Love, love doing this. This has been a, a heck of a time. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Adesanya and. I'm thinking this one probably goes the whole way too. Nice. I, I think he kind of gets, you know, gets a little knocked to the chin at the beginning to kind of, you know, wake him up. But I think at the end of the day, I think this one goes decision, but I believe at the end of the day, he's the one that wins. All right. So we all agree on our predictions. Andrew, we have ever fight injured in a knockout or a TKO, except, no, I think you have Diaz going the distance, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I think right. Leon Edwards wins that in decision. Mm -hmm. So, Randall's bet of the night, plus 200 money to end Nate Diaz. I think it happens 100%. And if it does, I'll be texting you in the middle of the night saying, I, see, I know it's sport now. I've learned <laughs> it. I know it. I know it. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, right on an hour. Andrew, you got any last word? Oh, no, it's going to be a great pay-per-view. I mean, you get three five-round fights, so that's awesome. You know, uh, normally, you know, 
you know, you don't get this get this much. Uh, the the co you get two title fights, and then uh, you know the the third fight, the the DS fights going five rounds. That's awesome. So uh, it's a great night. And Damian Maya's on the card. I'm a jujitsu guy, so I love Damian Maya. So I'm looking forward to watching him. Yeah, so, and uh, I just be prepared that my I, I think he loses his fight. I really that's yeah. if we had time, I wanted to go into that fight. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a big card, and then next month's huge too, man. We got two sixty four. Two sixty four is McGregor. McGregor. Do we yeah. know what the undercard is? Uh, I'd have to look it up to be honest with you. I mean, the main event sells it, but <laughs> by itself. But uh, uh, I can look into it. But we'll we'll definitely do another show for that one as well. Yeah, more views than we've ever had while we've been on the air from Ooh. more different places. We've had over two hundred people hit our our website tonight. So thank you very much, Rob. I think you brought the crowd with you. You got friends in Europe. <laughs> I hope so, man. All right, buddy. I appreciate it. Guys. Rob, just, we'll, we'll definitely do something again. Buddy. Thank you very much, Andrew. See you at 264. Everybody, good night. Good God bless. And we'll talk to you later. All right. Cool. See you guys. See you.